Hello, friends. You are listening to the Unconventional Yogi Podcast with yours truly, Colette Marie. Real content, real talk. How would you respond in a crisis? That's the topic of today's podcast. How do we respond in a crisis situation? And a crisis situation will have varying levels of severity and will be expressed in a myriad of ways. So though I'm asking the question as an umbrella question, there are a lot of nuances regarding how people respond in a crisis. And so I'm not saying that whatever I offer in this podcast is like the universal way in which to respond. I'm going to simply offer some anecdotal examples of how I have responded to one or two or three different crisis situations and ask questions and perhaps provide a little insight about why we do what we do in a crisis, how we choose to respond in a, in a crisis, so on and so forth. But first, when I ask the question, how do you respond in a crisis? It's a rhetorical question because I don't have an answer from you because I'm just speaking directly into the microphone. There is no one here with me to have a back and forth with, so I will only be asking predominantly rhetorical questions in this regard. But as you listen to the podcast, you might be asking yourself the question, you might automatically pop up with an answer or two as you're listening. And um, and I think as long as we get, you know, we start to kind of think about these ideas and put them in the forefront of our mind that we keep ourselves sort of in a state of readiness, if you will, meaning we are always, we always have our head on a swivel. I, I say that to my mother. She worries. I live in Philadelphia. The homicide rate in Philadelphia has almost tripled in the last two years, almost three years for a number of reasons and she worries that something is going to happen. Now, in the previous podcast, I mentioned that 20 years ago, I was a victim of gun violence in an urban environment, which gun violence was pretty prominent at that time. I'm not sure if College Park is still operating in the same way, but it was very gun violent oriented at at that time and that was in 1996. Uh, I happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. I didn't have my head on a swivel. However, I did respond a particular way in that crisis. And I want to say that that was probably one of uh, one really major crisis for me. Um, and it, it was multi-pronged situation. First, I was held up at gunpoint by three assailants. I was basically kidnapped, thrown in the back in the trunk of my car. It was midnight. I shouldn't have been out driving around at midnight, moving from one apartment to another anyway, but whatever. I was driven to an isolated location. I was sexually assaulted at gunpoint, and then I was shot, and then my car was taken all rolled into one like an hour and a half like that was a 90 minute excursion being held up being kidnapped 
being sexually assaulted and being shot and having my car jacked. That's a lot in a 90-minute period of time in a new area that I just moved to within a couple of months. So I didn't have any, uh, any, any, any kind of background with the area that I lived in, so I didn't really know where I was going or where they were driving me. So the whole thing was just a, a bit discombobulating. But all of that aside, what did I do? What did I do? Well, I got up. Well, first of all, let me just say, I played dead. Let me just say that. Um, they were young men. Uh, I had no idea if they were going to finish me off or if that, that they just were out to just cause problems and leave. So I, I wasn't sure what their intentions were. All I know is that I just went along with the requests. I went along with the process. I just kept my mouth shut I pleaded here and there, of course, naturally. I mean, I'm, I am a human being. I am going to plead for my life. It's what I did. Um, and when the one young man didn't, you know, couldn't participate in the sexual assault aspect of the evening, as his friends were yelling at him to get in the car so that they can leave, he decided to shoot me instead. Like, that was his way of getting in on the action. Uh, luckily, it was a 22, and luckily he was aiming in the leg. And as he stood there, as I could kind of feel and sense his presence was still nearby, I just played dead. I don't think he really saw where the bullet was going, and he wasn't going to inspect either because, again, his friends were yelling to like, come on, man, we got to go, we got to go. And so I just played dead. That was it. Once I heard the car drive off into the distance, I popped up found my clothes, put my clothes back on, thought, okay, I got to find a nearest house and call the police. So I ran to the nearest home. Of course, I'm in a panic. I'm banging on the door. That's freaked out for the people living inside the house at like 1230 in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. And there's an, a bang at the door. I mean, who's not going to respond in a, in a way, right? No one answered the first door. No one answered the second door. The third door, I banged on the door and asked, I pleaded for help, please, please, I've been shot. I need to call the ambulance. And I think just me saying that out loud was enough for them to feel comfortable opening the door to me. Those kind people let me in and they allowed me to call the police. And within 20 minutes, the police arrived. Long story short, I was able to give them the information to the car. I remembered my license plate. They were able to find the car which was great um, and I thought at least I have that and I just sort of pieced my life together from that point. The moral of the story is I played dead instinctively, I popped up instinctively, ran to a home to find help, called for help. When the officer showed up, I calmly sat there and explained that what the color of the car was, it was a Ford Escort, license plate 3LKN448. I still remember it. I was carjacked by this apartment community outside of the apartment community. I was driven just down the road from this house. I was assaulted. I was shot in my right thigh. And here we are. Once I was able to calmly explain the situation, the officer was able to just put it all together, make calls, do what he had to do, and he found my car expeditiously. 
It was amazing. But I think in large part that had to do with me being able to recount every single detail in a very calm and relaxed manner, even though my heart is pumping out of my chest and all of that. So crisis situations, we all respond to a crisis in a different way. I happen to be one of those that will jump up and run to the scene, figure it out, deal with it and get out. Um, I, I am quick to react, quick to respond, and I'm very, very calm uh, under extreme amount of pressure. Uh, I can't say I'm calm when it comes to losing my keys. Like I, I lose my mind when I can't find something. But when it comes to a crisis, I'm very, very calm. It's almost as if uh, some, some super version of myself descends upon me and takes over. And, it, it, and then that energy is in the driver's seat. And I'm, I'm glad because it, it, it allows me to think critically in, in a flash. It allows me to respond, do what I got to do. I, I experienced a car fire. My car caught on fire. The engine block, something happened. I don't know. All I know is that I heard, smelled smoke. I pulled over and next thing you know, the front of the hood was on fire. I quickly got out of the car, ran to the nearest payphone. At this time, it was a payphone, didn't have cell phones. Called the police, called my mother, got back to the car, waited for the police to arrive, explained the situation very calmly, gave them the keys, they figured it out. And then of course, the, the ambulance came and within seconds of their arrival, I passed out. There was so much adrenaline and there was so much going on that my body just shut down. I remember that clear as day, but they were able to put the fire out. They were able to figure out what went wrong. They were able to like deal with the car, tow it, handle it. Like everything was good. So regarding Rob Elementary School, every parent and every adult has a way or a theory of how they would respond. Having a conversation on Facebook recently with a couple of friends, I posted something to the effect that if I... Uh, you know, I don't have children, but if I did, I would pro I would probably, me being me, would not have waited for the police. I would have just left the scene, crept around very, you know, incognito, found an opening to get in the school, and I would have been very careful, as careful as I could have been, to try to find my child and get that person out and try to get as many children out along the way even if that meant taking some bullets and dying in the process as long as they were out of the building it didn't matter what happened to me that's how I feel about it because instinctively that's probably what I would do I wouldn't wait I don't wait when a crisis happens I react I go I'm I'm in it like you know if I hear someone screaming and they're hurt I'm going to I'm going to them and I'm going to try to help them I wouldn't I don't run away if I see something afoot I, I deal with it right then and there um, at the same time I have to assess the situation and just make sure there's a, some safety involved so that you know uh, I'm able to do what I got to do in other words in the in the uh airplane put the mask on first before you help someone else I love that whole scenario of course I don't want to have that ever happen but the idea of it is you have to take care of yourself before you can help someone else out you're no good to anyone if you're in a panic 
and if you're in a state where you can't think clearly. Now that's hard and that's not easy for me to say either. However, these are just the facts. Um, there was a hurricane. There was a young woman screaming for help. I went out there. I didn't care. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. The tornado was blowing through the apartment community, ripping off roofs. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. Went down there to ask if she was okay. She finally got into her house. I went back into my house, got into the bathroom, waited, hoped the roof wouldn't go, hope I didn't go, and everything was fine. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just how I roll. But I know not everybody functions in that manner. So if you're not one of those people to quickly react to a situation, it's okay. It's, it's totally fine. That is why you have people around you that might be able to do that, including police authority. You know, sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait for an authority figure to, who's in a better position to react and respond to do something. But there are times also where you just might have to react and respond on your own. I'm not saying go rogue, but I am saying that we as adult human beings, especially if we have children, the responsibility to get our children out of harm's way is, is up to us. Essentially, as me, I feel like it would be my responsibility only. Not anybody else's. Not the police, not the sheriff, not the doctor, not the ambulance, nobody. Like, I would have to be the first one to deal with it, and then I bring everybody else in the fold. Like, me first, and then everyone else is second, third, and fourth. Right? Now, there are times where it has to be someone else first, and second and third, and then me fourth. Okay, you know, if there's a fire, I can't get in. Fireman or woman or whomever arrives, they have the means and the ability to get into the house and extract everyone in it. You know what? They're the first one to deal with the crisis. Great. I'll be the second or third in line. I'm okay with that. Like there are times in which people have to come in, step in, and there are times in which you have to step in. And But it's a shared experience and everybody's working collectively together. It's not like me against the world. And it's not, I'm going to take care of mine and everyone else is on their own. That, that kind of thinking does not help solve a problem, right? It's a group effort. So when it comes to a crisis, how do you respond? What are the things that you think about when something is happening? And what do you feel would be more helpful for you if you are in a crisis in the future what are the things that you could do that might be more beneficial for you and will create a better outcome for you? Um, I ask myself these questions every day because now, because I have been a part of gun violence, I'm always looking, always looking, always trying to find that route that would get me out of a situation. I'm always looking for an escape route. I'm also looking for a weapon. I don't carry a handgun or a knife, but if there was a situation and I needed to respond, I'm going to find a broken bottle. I'm going to use my umbrella. I'm going to find something. I'm going to find something that would help me in a crisis because now that is just the way I think. Um, so being aware of your surroundings is critical. Being aware of how you actually respond in a crisis is very critical. I think we all have to like look, our, look at ourselves in the mirror and probably ask ourselves those hard questions. What would I do if I were in that situation? I mean, of course, we really don't know fully, fully unless we're until we're actually in it. 
you know, like that's when the truth comes out about, you know, how we respond. But the rhetorical questions can still be asked of yourself. You can still ask yourself the questions and see what kind of answers might pop into your mind. Right. Thank you for tuning in to the Unconventional Yogi podcast with yours truly, Colette Marie, real content, real talk.